Deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, each and every day, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's another beautiful day in Miami Gardens as we are recapping practice number five from Dolphins Training Camp 2021. Another strong showing from the offense and the quarterbacks. We take a focus on some of the lesser known players showing out here at camp so far. A big day from another handful of receivers. Your questions on Twitter, the coaching staff's work on the practice field. We'll hear from Coach Flores and Eric Rowe on Tua Tungavailoa and a variety of other topics and much, much more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. Couple of roster moves since we last spoke. As Mike Gesicki, Adam Shaheen, and Seathan Carter were placed on the COVID-19 slash reserve list, and Coach George Godsey was not out there at practice on Monday for medical reasons, as stated by head coach Brian Flores at his Monday morning press conference. And Coach spoke about this in his Monday morning presser, that it's the same as last season with regards to contingencies and plans in place. They have plans in place and then plans in place of those plans in case somebody is out. And knowing Coach, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. He's prepared for every detail imaginable. But the note that I thought stood out was one where he said, we've been dealing with this for 18 months and it's not over. And he's right. And if anyone is going to remain vigilant, it's him and the staff. That was his message all last year. Remaining vigilant and you can't just get tired of it and stop doing the stuff you do to prevent, to to do the preventative measures to help reduce possible COVID outbreaks and contractions. So Dolphins on top of that. Tight ends Sal Canella and Khalif Jackson were signed and on the practice field on Monday. Also back on the field was wide receiver Devontae Parker, who went through some of the drills and I thought looked pretty good out there. I was keeping a close eye on him during the on-air throws to kick off practice and kind of the individual portion of practice. And it looked like the same old Devontae to me. He kind of sinks those hips at the top of the route and drives that 90-degree angle, and the ball meets him right off that break from Tua, and he's catching the football with his hands. It can be easy to let the ball kind of get into your body, and that's when you can really get beat up by the football, but he wasn't doing that, so I thought he looked good out there. His best play of the day came in goal line work where he's totally covered along the end line and Tua throws one high and away from the defender and Devontae goes up and snatches it and comes down inbounds for the touchdown you know a 50-50 type of ball with 50 being a catch and the other 50 in this instance being an incomplete pass because he put it where only his receiver had a chance to get it but we also know with Devontae this is basically an 80-20 proposition and this one turned out to be 100-0 because he caught it. Savon Ahmed left practice after getting nicked up. I'll get you guys an update on him as soon as coach gives us one. And here we'll go position by position again. But first, I want to cover a full bullet points, a few bullet points of notes I have here. First, the energy at the start of practice was a blast again with the fans back for the second day. And once again, Christian Wilkins was the first one out and he gets a greeting of a big applause. And then Shaquem Griffin again comes bouncing over. And I use that term very specifically, bouncing, because he is on a gallop for a full 50, 60, 70 yards. And then he gets down in the stretching portion of practice and he's doing some dance moves that I'm not sure 
I could replicate if you gave me a year of practice. He was really getting after it, and he just brings that energy. Like Coach mentioned last week, within 30 seconds of meeting this guy, you can feel the energy. I think it's more like three seconds. As far as the on-field work, I noted something about Charlie Fry during quarterbacks throwing to receivers and how he's out there. And mind you, there are quality control coaches, interns, and what have you that do a lot of behind-the-scenes work that nobody really sees that makes these practices work as efficiently as they do. And during this particular drill, Charlie Fry is running underneath the receiver's And we've talked about this, right? When you throw the football in between the second and third level, and first level is defensive line, second level linebackers, third level, uh, the safeties in the back end, a good deal of spin is required to get the ball over that hump where it climbs over the second level and descends under the third level. So Coach Fry is one of the coaches kind of simulating that second level defender underneath the receiver to give the quarterbacks a snapshot of where it might be and how to let them throw over it in the instance of dealing with disrupting passing lanes as far as the defense is concerned. So I tweeted that out. Then I started to look across the practice field to see what the other coaches are doing, and it's not exclusive to Fry. In fact, they all do it, and I've seen this before, so I wanted to get it on the podcast here. But Austin Clark, for instance, he is as animated as they come working the sleds and the tackling dummies. He's giving pass rush instruction constantly, and you can see him really working physically to help show the guys what he's talking about. Coach Campanelli, the linebackers coach, is running around bringing energy to that group, along with Robbie Leonard, the outside linebackers coach. GA, Gerald Alexander, is doing full-on backpedals, opening up the hips and driving like he's still in his playing days. And frankly, if you've seen him do do the stuff out there. I'm not convinced he couldn't still play football. Coach Lemuel Jean-Pierre is down in the trenches working on hand placement, footwork, combo blocks. He also is very fiery and passionate. Coach Grizzard with the receivers, he's involved working with those guys on catching passes in traffic. It's just unanimous across the board, and I love to watch it. It matches the energy the players have. So the, the philosophy of having guys that love football, not just on the team, the coaching staff, and otherwise, it's spread across the board. So on the topic of coaches, I wanted to ask Brian Flores about this before practice, about the collaboration of not just offensive coaches serving as, you know, floaters, talking about the guys that kind of float between different position groups, you know, the varsity versus JV reference, if you play both those back in your your heyday, but across the crossing over from defense to offense and offense to defense. And coach spends a lot of time with the quarterbacks during individual drills. And I'm not going to ask him about exactly what those conversations are because, well, I know better. That's for them to know and for us to learn on game day on Sunday, I suppose. But I did want to ask him about those collaborations. And if when he's working with the quarterbacks, is it something where he is giving his perspective for how he would attack a certain player as a, for instance, defensive play caller? Here's coach. Yes, there is there is crossover. I think if you understand, if you're an offensive player and understand how the defense is trying to attack you or um, you know prevent you from doing from what you want to do, then if you understand that, then that gives you an advantage. And same thing, um, vice versa. If you're a defensive player, or coach, and you understand what the offense, how they're trying to attack you, um, there's there's some things you can anticipate. There's some things you can. Um, you know, coach your players up on uh, that will hopefully help them um, either not allow the defense to win or not allow the offense to win. So um, I think it's all-encompassing. You know, I, I talk to our coaching staff and say, hey, if you're a defensive coach and you can give an offensive player a, a coaching point, do it. Same thing if you're an offensive coach and you give a defensive, uh, one of our defensive players a coaching point, give it to them. I mean, we're a team. 
Um, obviously, we're competing against each other out here uh, on the practice field, and you know, I know offense wants to beat defense, and defense wants to beat the offense. And you know, when we're in the kicking game, punt return unit wants to beat the you know the punt team. But you know, at the end of the day, we're a team, and if there's a way, something we can do to to help a player on the other side of the ball, um, and, you know, we should do that, and we have. And it's, it's, it's you know, I've seen players talk to each other, offensive line, defensive line, receivers, DBs, uh, DBs, safeties, quarterback. Just you know, some of those conversations, I think that's where you get a lot of uh, – uh, you can make a lot of improvement individually just understanding the other side of the ball. And Coach was asked a follow-up about that two questions later. Here he is again. Uh, yeah, this constant dialogue among, among the coaching staff that way. And, yeah, we've set a few things up that, like that. To create dialogue, to create conversation, um, I think it only helps you know, offensive coaches to learn or to hear the defensive kind of mindset, thought process, and same thing for defensive coaches to, to hear the offensive thought process. You know, I've, I've coached on both, you know, all three sides of the ball, so I kind of, uh, it, it helped me, I would say that. Um, I can't, you know, speak for anyone else, but it definitely helped me to understand uh how offenses wanted to attack defense, defenses, and then conversely, how defenses want to attack offenses. And um, you know, in the kicking game, you know, how to attack a field goal, a field goal protection, or how to attack a punt protection. And then coach was followed up with that question, asked if there's a formal or informal type of meeting or situation where they go through that. And he said with a smile, let's go ahead and call that informal. So really good stuff there from coach talking about kind of his process, how he leads, how he delegates, and how he really trains the coaches, you know, on his staff to to be better, to take on more, and to maybe take that next step in their career. And one quick aside right here, I heard Josh Boyer celebrating a play in the three-on-three goal line work. It's just a tough, tough task for the defense because they – are working with so much space, which always favors the offense, obviously. But they got some wins. And on one play where the ball never came out because the coverage was so tight, which is so rare, a trio of uh, Jaitlin Askew, Nate Hawley, and Calvin Munson were in on the coverage. And we could hear Boyer from the stands saying, or he's on the field, we're in the stands saying, that's the idea, that's the idea. Again, just love the fire the staff has and the passion they bring. Let's dive into the practice play-by-play here and go position by position, starting with the quarterbacks. And stop me if you've heard this before, but another really good strong showing from Tua Tungavailoa. I had him with six touchdowns and no picks today, and those were all red zone drills. So the touchdown number may be a bit inflated, but good to have efficiency in that department. In fact, he hasn't had a team period interception since the first day of practice. So we're going on four days in a row now without a pick in 11 on 11. We might recall he set records last year for not throwing a pick in the first X amount of throws as an NFL career until up until that Kansas City game, his first pick in game number five for him. And the efficiency of the offense in this regard is no fault of a bunch of short throws offensively because they've been aggressive and attacking. And on that note, why don't we go ahead and hear from one of the Dolphins' defensive backs who had a note on Tua Tungavailoa, had this to say after practice as far as the passing offense goes and Tua's growth in year number two. Oh, yeah, no, he, he letting it fly this year for sure. I mean, he was last year, but you can see, like, he just looks a little more comfortable back there. I mean, making some tough throws, putting it in the hole. Um, leading receivers, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the one he threw to Rob yesterday on a little out and up. He threw it in a nice little pocket right there, so that was nice. Yes, sir. I love hearing that right there from Needham because I talked about that in the podcast, and he explained about throwing to a pocket. It was the out and up where it was an out route that he kind of threw before 
Robert Foster was out of the break to go up on the sideline, and he threw it to a spot, and Foster got to that spot as the ball came down and landed in his lap. So good stuff there, good audio from Nick Needham. And, you know, the ball placement with Tua is what really continues to show up for me as a, you know, amateur scout up there in the stands that and the quick trigger the ball is coming out fast he's had plays where the defense gives him a key that makes him decide to to make that throw immediately after the snap like one shot for instance up the seam to Mac Collins today where he's given a free access or free release after the first level as that defender across from him rushes in Tua stands up pops it out there and Mac has a catch 10 yards up the seam with a full steam ahead attacking the third level with the football in his hands that's hard to stop and can really force a defense to reconsider their pressure package when the quarterback can get it up and down so to speak in that arena coach was also asked about Tungavailoa this morning at his presser and he said he's very happy with where Tua is so far and of course there's a long way to go but I thought his comments about what Tua has drilled and work on was really good let's go to coach talking about his young quarterback Tua has, I think he's gotten off to a good start. Um, still a long way to go. Still very early. Um, good command of the offense. You know, his techniques and his, you know, that's QB mechanics, fundamentals. Um, trying to work those every day and get them you know, where they need to be so that his footwork, his timing, you know, that all kind of plays into um, his accuracy as a passer, but also ball handling with the backs and things of that nature. So I think he's off to a, a solid start. You know, it's still it's still very early. Uh, we haven't you – know, it's still so early. we, we got a long way to go. Um, and we just need to string, uh, continue to string good days together. Uh, that's always my message to the team. You know, one meeting, one walkthrough, one, pack, one practice, one play at a time. And um, he's taking that approach and seeing small improvements on a daily basis and hopefully that continues and it's not just Tua it's Jacoby it's Reed and uh you know a lot of players offensively defensively in the kicking game so that was kind of the scouting report right the ball placement the mechanics the footwork all that fun stuff we talk about at least you know when I produced my own scouting report that's what it was incredibly light on his feet the blackjack dealer with the release the just getting that thing out there. The ball placement, which has been on point this week. Some of the highlights from Tua today, I had him on a great touch throw to the back pylon to Jakeem Grant, where he got it up over that underneath defender, like we talked about with Charlie Fry, and descending right into the lap of Jakeem Grant in the corner for a touchdown. He completed his first two passes in the 7-on-7 red zone drill, both touchdowns to Wilson and Gaskin. The third was incomplete, but the officials threw a flag. There was new officials there today for the first time. They threw a flag in the secondary. And then Tua comes back on a later drill and rips one down the seam to Matt Collins and again this is one I talked about where the ball finds him right as he turns his head in the soft spot of the coverage so spatial awareness the accuracy knowing what the defense is going to do and how to react to that he had a pair of completions early on in the team period to Waddle and Wilson on short throws where they both had a chance to make a move in space I want to see those simulations live we'll see that soon enough here in preseason games and in real games come September he also had a rip to Jalen Waddle across the middle of the field where he catches the thing in stride the ball and the receiver intersect at the same time and he was one slip tackle away from the safety from going 80 yards for a touchdown just really good precision like we saw with those guys back at Alabama he had a deep out from the far hash to Albert Wilson and the ball gets there before the defensive back can drive because of both the zip and the anticipation. Another really strong day here for the Miami quarterback. Tua had a shallow crosser to Waddle on red zone work also where he kind of laid it out there and gave it, put plenty of air under it so Waddle could run underneath it and get upfield for a nice 
a touchdown scoring play on that one. I put a note in there that Michael Dieter had a great pass block on Raekwon Davis. More on that here in just a minute. Matt Collins ran a dig halfway into the end zone from about the 10-yard line. A dig is usually a 12- or 15-yard in-cut route, and Tua fired this ball before he came out of the break, and it's right there on his face when he cuts in. He celebrates with a dance and then dunks the ball over the goalpost. He came back later with a quick slant to Matt Collins for a nice gain and then threw a nice touch-slash-zip, that second-level throw over the hump into the third level to Matt Collins once again for a chunk of yards. And really... You know, Tua and the first-team offense have just shown progression each day through these first five practices. Zero picks in the last four days during team periods, explosive plays, sharp on the tight windows, and the timing and the rhythm, it grows every single day. It's been a lot of fun to watch, and seeing, you know, tweets from the beat guys, the Omar, Armando, Barry Jackson, Joe Shad, etc., all saying how sharp this offense has looked, well, it's a great start and a great opportunity to build on those bricks that are being laid. I'm going to go ahead and save running back notes more for tomorrow when the pads go on, but I will say Miles Gaskin continues to look really smooth as a pass catcher, and I think Malcolm Brown moves well for a guy that's built like an absolute house. I've been itching to see him get some goal line work. We'll get that later on this week, hopefully. Carl Tucker had a nice catch on a pass from Reed Sinet in 7-on-7 red zone drills for a touchdown. I talked about him being a natural pass catcher last week. Thought that was evident on this play, but he did later come back and practice and juggle one that got tipped up and picked off by Trill Williams. And we'll cover the other two quarterbacks throughout the rest of the position groups here, like with the receivers. Albert Wilson once again gets into the notes, and you continue to have these standout practices, not just with the deep balls, but, you know, in fact, I think the part that I've most enjoyed watching these guys work with is, aside from the fun stuff down the field, is guys like Albert and Jalen Waddell winning in ways that traditionally speed receivers are perceived to not be able to do. It's not just speed or possession guys. It's multifaceted guys. These guys can catch the football in traffic, catch it away from their frames, and they're tough as hell through contact, and the concentration just hasn't lapsed so far in these five practices. Wilson had a diving touchdown catch for the second straight day in the goal line work in that kind of three-on-three drill. And it's a post-up type route, a hookup route, where you set that thing down on the goal line. The quarterback wants to get it out before you've shown him your numbers because there are two defenders one on either side of you and this one throw from Jacoby was a bit wide and he lays out and makes a tough catch especially when you consider the velocity on that short area throw then Jalen Waddle man he's been a tough cover for everybody out here when he's wide he stretches the defense from that alignment when he's inside he's deadly because the three-way go whether it's deep in or out And my perspective tells me that he's using his speed and the defense's knowledge of his speed to really exploit areas of conflict. What I mean by that is when he's in there and has the threat to run straight to the goalpost and take off and get beat deep, you have to respect that. And if you do, he can cross your face and get to the other side of the formation on the over route. And then it's just a foot race. And well, good luck on that. Guy ran a 4-2-8 once upon a time. And if you cheat, he can snap that thing back to the outside, which he has done. And that's one area where we've really seen the contested catch and concentration on every imaginable type of catch because he kind of works his way back into more traffic and he gets his hands under the ball, overhanded catches, catching it over his head, hanging on when your frame hits the ground. It's just been fun to watch him kind of develop here as a pro his first few days of training camp practice. And so with that ability plus the vertical speed ability, you can ideally force the defense to defend every single blade of grass out there, which for the 15th or 16th or 95th time this year creates chances for the backs creates chances for Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, Mac Hollins, etc., etc. on this roster. Isaiah Ford had himself a hell of a day. I thought he both created separation on a variety of routes. He wasn't always targeted, but that's beyond his control. 
but he got open on a really nice whip route. A whip route's where you basically stick your foot in the ground, like think Wes Welker. You, you run over the middle, stick your foot in the ground, and whip that thing back to the outside. He made two contested catches, including one on a comeback, which is a route that is designed for the ball to go outside because you go up the stem and you come back to the sideline. You don't curl back inside. That's a curl. A comeback is outside, and the ball is thrown back inside where it would be for a curl, and that gives the DB a chance to get to it, but Isaiah comes back inside and not just protects his quarterback with a PBU, he makes the tough catch. He had another catch later on where he worked the sideline a la Chris Chambers with a toe tap from yesteryear too. So a big day for Isaiah Ford. Malcolm Perry had a good day too. I thought his uh, he first got in the notes during an open field tackling drill. I wrote he's got the shakes and he put one tackler on skates in short space. That's a lot of rhymes right there on that one drill. And we saw that in his route running a bit too today. Not only did he use that wiggle to kind of create some space, but to make some plays after the catch. And also Lynn Bowden gets in the notes too. He had a couple of nice catches down the middle of the football field. Speaking of working in the middle of the field at tight end, I wanted to get a good look at Hunter Long today, and he did not disappoint. He caught a really nice timing throw on a corner route from Tua just after catching one in traffic earlier in the period. I also noted his work as a blocker off the edge. You can tell this guy played in both power running offenses and spread offenses in college. He showed that versatility, I thought, on Monday. Kirk Merritt had a handful of catches, been the case for him all camp long. And Robert Foster stabbed a really nice scene throw from Jacoby Brissett in the team red zone portion. And I loved that one because the entire offense went down there to celebrate with him. And then also here comes Tua from the sidelines, a la Christian Wilkins, to celebrate with his teammates. We mentioned Matt Collins a lot in the QB portion, but I want to go ahead and put his name in here because he had an awesome practice on Monday as well. Along the offensive line, I thought Derval Quirez Neto had a good day today. He sure is tough to get around in pass protection with that wide base and a powerful punch he offers. I mentioned Michael Dieter earlier in the podcast, thought he had a good day as well. Timon Paris had some good pass block reps. Jermaine Illuminor also had some good reps out there as well. Again, we're going to focus more on the offensive line tomorrow when the pads come on. Defensively, Christian Wilkins is in the backfield again for what might have been a hit on Tonga Vailoa. This was, you know, been the case for 94 throughout camp. He's it's evergreen with the four-man rotation of Wilkins, Sealer, Butler, and Davis. They all make plays every single day. And there was a good a clip of Adam Butler flushing Tua in the team period down in red zone, forcing him outside of the pocket. That interior pressure has been Adam Butler's game through four years of his NFL career. And on that Butler play, Van Ginkle's pursuit didn't allow Tua to attack the line of scrimmage. He was out in front of him, forcing him to continue to retreat, which is a very difficult position to throw the football from. He wants to attack the line of scrimmage as he surveys the back of the end zone, but he had to throw it away because Van Ginkle was right there. And he's won both as a rusher and shown the mental aptitude to redirect and retrace when the pocket moves or the aiming point of where the quarterback is moves. He He's a very heady player that way, and he's really been productive in camp so far. thought Emmanuel Ogba had another good day with a couple of pressures, and the best rep I thought he had was on a goal line run where he the mesh point and chose correctly to get right in front of Miles Gaskin on a uh, run from the two-yard line for a possible collision that we could have seen in a real tackling drill. And then Shaquem Griffin had a couple more pressures today. His speed is something that has to be accounted for off the edge on every single snap. That's how he's winning in there with those speed rushes. I thought Sam Egwavon's speed and coverage showed well today. And on that topic, Jerome Baker had much of the same just like Saturday where it really shows up in the coverage area of his skill set down in the red zone periods. And it's not just the speed it's the smarts that he has. Like on one play, he carries a man to help 
and then passes him off to the help and then comes down and closes on another receiver to force an incompletion. You can disrupt two passing or two passing options in the in the pattern. That's 40% of the pass options with five eligible receivers. So great work there from Baker. Duke Riley had himself a really good day, most notably a one-on-one matchup with Patrick Laird as he, they both flex out wide. And I say out loud, yep, that's where the balls go and that's your matchup. And Brissett takes a snap right away, throws the fade into the corner and Duke stays stride for stride to get his hand in there for an incompletion. In the defensive backfield, I start here with Javon Holland, who had another strong day of practice, including some nice coverage reps on tight ends. He had a great rep working against Chris Myrick, where he stayed patient at the top, engaged at the top of the route with the physicality, and then got underneath his man to kind of play to the help, play to the end line, play to where your defense is, play to the teeth of the defense. He understands that stuff and got under him on the corner route, forced him into the perimeter of the field, and he drives in the football and makes a play for an incomplete pass. And head coach Brian Flores was asked about what Holland has put on tape so far through the first five days of practice. Here's coach Flores before practice, so I guess it was only four days, but you get it. You know, Javon, I think he's he's, he's doing some good things. Obviously, it's still very early in, in training camp. I haven't put the pads on, but, you know, up to this point, uh, just from a alignment assignment responsibility standpoint, uh, he's moving in the right direction. Um, smart kid. You know, he's hardworking. Um, Football's important to him. He's trying to take in as much as he can. He's really, um, I would say, trying to be a sponge with these, you know, veteran players. You mentioned Jason, uh, but also Roe, Byron, X. So um, he's uh, he's doing a good job from that standpoint. At that same position, Coach was also asked about his familiarity with Jason McCourty, saying he had one year with Jason in New England, but he was more familiar with his brother, Devin, of course, but did respect what Jason brings as a leader. And, you know, Jason doesn't really get the ball production in practice because he's away from the snap, but he's back there directing things. And what I like is to watch him move with the route pairings as they sort of declare themselves a very knowledgeable player on that back end and he did get his ball production in the goal line and red zone work today he had a nice pass breakup on Albert Wilson as Tua rolled and tried to get it to Wilson but McCourty was there for the pass breakup I also had him with good coverage on a lofted corner route to Durham Smythe where he gets a PBU on a slightly underthrown ball from Tua Tungavailoa I thought Jalen Askew had a really nice practice today out of Georgia Tech the undrafted rookie playing the football two pass breakups tight coverage good snap in the hips and a real competitor in fact there's a lot of dbs on this team that i don't think get much press that they deserve i think they played well this last week tino ellis javaris davis terrell bonds and trill williams have all had been in the notes a few times for me and trill had a couple of plays today where he was in the area to help create takeaways so good stuff there speaking of takeaways jamal perry had that great pick in practice on saturday he had a very similar look this week or today i should say driving on an out route just didn't catch this one but he was right there to drive on the ball and break it up uh, off the arm of jacoby Brissett for the pbu nate hawley i put a note in here that he's often down in the trash to greet ball carriers at the line and run defense and clayton fedgelum had a great pick on a tipped ball as he went to the ground, caught the deflection, went down, got back up, and ran it back. You can find that video on the Miami Dolphins Twitter timeline. And then Eric Rowe, man, he's often, so often this guy is teaching tape. He was in phase and coverage all day. Doesn't get himself locked out of reps where he's easily stacked. Like, if you get in one position on the receiver, they can find a way to stack you and get them on on their back so you can't get around them. And he's down there on the run game getting his face in the fan. I just love watching him play so much. The only guy I saw get a catch on him was Hunter Long. And speaking of Hunter Long, Eric was asked after practice about the depth of this receiving core making all these plays in practice, and here he is. You know, we got more speed. We got uh, more pieces. 
And then even when Devontae and Preston come back, you know, it'll be even deeper. So, I mean, I'm excited to see it happen. You know, Tua, I, I think he's making that jump. I mean, I, I see each day he's getting better from the first day. So, you know, now opposing offenses, I mean, defenses can't just double one guy and be like, okay, everybody else can be covered because now we got, you know, Waddle with the speed, Albert, Devontae, you know, Preston, I mean, you know, just Mike G. I mean, you know, pick who you want. And you heard e talk about Tua taking that year two jump and the, the hope that he can do that. And, of course, the reporter followed up with a great question about Tua asking what's different, the confidence, the ball placement, the accuracy. What is it? Here's e He's always had accuracy. That was never a problem. He's always had accuracy. He always had the zip. He always had power. Uh, I just, you know, I just believe it's that year two jump, uh, you know, everybody, you know, needs to make from their rookie year. And then, obviously, the – you know, the type of offense, because last year I even noticed his playbook was condensed to, like, slants and bubbles. You know, it really wouldn't let him show his arm. And now seeing in training camp, you know, he's got a lot more deep routes. He's got a lot more, you know, they, they give him, they're allowing him the opportunity to throw it deep. You know, that's what we need. He also talked a little bit about Javon Holland at the end of that presser, saying that he's a guy that is very smart, instinctive, and loves to play football. And he also said Javon brings snacks when they ask him to bring snacks to the DB room. So way to get up close to your uh, veterans there and do what they say, young man. Good job with that. Special teams. Last note here before we get to some final last notes. Michael Pilardi was crushing the football today. Evergreen, because he's been doing it every day so far. I got the timer out at one point. And it was consistently four six to four nine seconds of hang time with footballs traveling fifty yards from the line of scrimmage, not from where he kicked it, from the line of scrimmage. So fifty yard kicks with hang time. His best one of camp was today, a sixty four yard punt that hit the ground at the ten yard line and rolled inside to be down at the one inch line. And Jason Sanders once again did not miss a kick. I don't think he has yet all camp. I asked the beat guys that have been around for a lot longer than I have if this was commonplace in practice, and they said no, not at all. He's a very uncommon kicker that way. Last note on practice before our last last note, there was a loose ball drill where guys were working on covering the oddly shaped bouncing balls, it's called, around the practice field. And there was just an urgency in this drill that would seem like a a good opportunity to take a breather, right? Take a drill off. But that's not how it goes around here. Every drill has a purpose, and the players take on that approach of their head coach. And before we get to our final segment here, pads are on tomorrow. I can't wait for that. And on that topic... Let's get to our last audio clip of this podcast with Coach talking about what he looks for tomorrow when the pads come on. Good fundamentals, good technique, good pad level. Uh, again, good communication. I think our overall uh, communication leads to uh, good communication leads to good, hopefully, good execution. And uh, I mean, that's really it. I mean, I think. I think, you know, pads, no pads, um, uh, those are the things I'm looking for. You know, good huddle, good communication, get aligned, know your assignment, know your responsibility. Uh, once the pads come on, I mean, we, then we get to see the techniques, fundamentals we, we work on in, on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, in action, in pads. Um, we want those in actions and out of pads, too. So um, just a, you know. More protection for the players can be a little bit more aggressive, and uh, yeah, 
I mean, it's, it's real football, so we're looking forward to it. So there's pads on practice tomorrow. And before we close up this podcast, a couple more segments here, including the matchup, matchup, matchup of the day. It was Michael Dieter versus Raekwon Davis. And I liked watching Dieter for the ability to anchor against such a big football player and also reworking the hands on some of the counter moves, keeping his feet active and under him in those particular instances. And Coach talked about that pad level in that previous sound clip. And that's something I've been appreciating so far with Dieter's game through five practices. And we'll definitely keep a close eye on that as the pads do come on at Tuesday's practice. Now, the guy across from him, Raekwon Davis, has had one of the best camps out here. So when Michael scores a win or two against him, that gets my attention. Even still, most of the time, Raekwon's power is just overwhelming. And we saw that in a few matchups out there today. He can really put pressure on guys with both the length and the power. And sometimes because of that and the threat of that power and that initial push, it unlocks the ability for him to knife through a gap, a gap with a quick first step. Our top performers today on the list. Let's go ahead and go through this real quick. Tua Tungavailoa, the accuracy, the ball placement just continues to really pop off the charts. Isaiah Ford, competitive, tough catches in traffic. Jason McCourty, kind of a traffic cop back there, getting his hands on footballs and PBUs. Andrew Van Ginkle continues to disrupt plays in a multitude of ways. Javon Holland, the coverage day was airtight on Dolphins tight ends, and otherwise he was everywhere. Hunter Long, though, had a good day, had a couple of catches in the team period, including a long one on a corner route from Tonga Vailoa. I put Robert Jones in here because I thought he just physically looks the part. He's a big, big dude, big, strong calves, ankles, and the backside to really help anchor and pass pro. Curious to get a better look at him as pads go on as well. Jalen Waddle is in there because of the urgency that he creates with the offense and the speed and the conflict he creates on defense just shows up every single day. Malcolm Perry shook some guys in space and made some plays that way as well. Matt Collins is in here because of his constant receptions and big plays and celebrations at practice. Duke Riley had some good coverage and some good run defense in the run install period early on. Michael Dieter is in there for the, the reasons we just mentioned. Jaitlin Askew, big plays in the football, getting some production that way as well. So Tua Tungavailoa, Isaiah Ford, Jason McCourty, Andrew Van Ginkle, Javon Holland, Hunter Long, Robert Jones, Jalen Waddle, Malcolm Perry, Duke Riley, Mac Hollins, Michael Dieter, and Jalen Askew. Let's finish up with two more questions here from the Twitter timeline. I put the question out. You guys respond. We answer it here on on the podcast for you guys. And if you didn't get your question answered, we'll get back to more of those later as the week goes along. And if I can't get to many of them, we'll go ahead and just answer them on the Twitter thread itself later in the week. So keep an eye there. This first one from Jason Sarney. And if you ever have questions on how to be a fan, by the way, consult Mr. Sarney. Dude is a great great fan and a pretty damn good writer too. I think he writes for Finn's Maniacs these days. He's at Jason underscore Sarney and he asked a two-parter and I'll bend the rules here for you, Jason, because normally it's one question per asker, but we'll go ahead and go with it. Which rookie is looking the most pro ready? I'm going with Jalen Waddle just because I think the things you knew about him as a prospect are evident with the long speed and the quickness and the stuff that gets you on the highlight reels, but he's a crafty route runner. I think he really knows how to use that speed and the defender's knowledge of that speed to put them in conflict and create separation on a variety of routes, not just one, two, three, or four routes. It's all routes. And also the way he's caught the ball in traffic has been really impressive. It's been a treat to watch him work through five days. Let's go ahead and hope that it keeps rolling. Second question here from Jason, which which veteran has arrived at camp looking the most improved? And I'm not sure I love the phrasing of that question as far as how I want to give you an answer here, Jason, but I think that Wilkins looks a step faster. I think Van Ginkle does too, and Miles Gaskin, all third-year players that I think have taken a step from where they were at this time last year. 
Speaking of great fans, let's go ahead and finish up this podcast. Uh, great fans, writers, and podcasters with Kevin Dern at KevinMD4. Kevin, how you doing, man? Hope the family as well. On Twitter, he asks, in terms of DB receiver matchups, which DB has done the best at matching Waddle's speed and acceleration out of the breaks so far? And I think Waddle has done a great job of consistently creating separation through the first five days. He's been drawing plenty of different matchups with Justin Coleman, Nick Needham, Noah Egbenogany, and, and plenty of others as well. I like the way Coleman has worked against him with the aggressive nature of his game, but I think Igbo has the athletic and movement skills that have shown best in the area. In that area, Nick Needham talked about Justin Coleman's physicality and the way he plays the game aggressively in his post-game or post-practice presser, so that stands out. But with Igbo's athletic skill set and the traits that he has, I've pointed to this a million times, the clip in college against Florida where he pivots, opens the hips, and drives all in one fluid motion. It doesn't look real. I think most of you have probably seen that out there on my timeline, but you see that throughout the course of practice, the athletic ability. So great question though. Waddle's speed is evident at all times. And with that, that's going to be my time. If you pose a question, I'll open those back up again later. Again, I appreciate you guys doing that. Helps the podcast here big time. Also, if you want to help the podcast, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us that rating. Leave us that review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and Juice. They're coming back here real soon. I believe tomorrow, actually. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, Vince.